everybody and welcome to Tailgate Talks. This is week 83 and you are listening to the Tailgate where we discuss what's going on outside of Texas Tech sports. This week there's really not a whole lot going on in the Texas Tech world. So we are going to take a break from Club Red this week. Uh, while basketball news is just kind of speculation right now, there's really nothing new on football front, and baseball was off last weekend, so uh, nothing really to report over there. So uh, we're going to give you this tailgate this week where we're going to break down what's going on in the second round of the NBA playoffs and catch up as we are one month into the season in baseball. But before we get to all that, make sure you are following us on Apple and Spotify Give us that five-star review on Apple or Spotify now in case you're a Spotify listener and didn't know it. You can rate us five stars on that. We would greatly appreciate that. You can also leave us a review on Apple. Uh, send us your thoughts on the show. You know, Pump us up, whatever you want to do. Give us that review. Also, follow us on social media. Follow our Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. Uh, that's where we do most of our postings on social media, so check us out there. If you want to follow our personal accounts, follow Dustin at DustinWimmer22 and myself at Calvin B. Barrett. Uh, also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube where we post some bite-sized clips for you guys uh, from the podcast episodes in case you can't catch the full ones. And you can email us at tailgatetalkspod at gmail.com for any inquiries, questions, comments on the show. Uh, with all that said, let's get into this week's tailgate. Let's play some basketball! Well, Dustin, we are midway through the second round of the NBA playoffs, and the second round of the playoffs has been pretty damn good so far. Uh, three of the series right now are tied at two games apiece. Uh, currently, the Miami Heck Heat yeah. and 76ers are playing each other in their Game 5, so that one will have a little separation after this. But uh, all but one series are tied as the uh, Warriors have a 3-1 advantage over the Grizzlies. So let's get into uh, the Dallas Mavericks and Phoenix Suns series. Let's start over in the Western Conference. Okay. The Mavs uh, took home court, uh, won both games in Dallas at the AA tying the series up at two games apiece. Chris Paul struggled in Dallas, to say the least. In fact, in his last game, he had more fouls than he had points. Fouling. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to you know play when you're fouling so much and just foul out. And didn't there were some play questionable that. ones, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame the refs on that loss. The Mavericks uh, played pretty well at home. Yeah. Uh, their role players have all stepped up in Dallas, which is kind of something that you expect. Dorian Finney-Smith hit eight threes in that game four. Here's something I thought was interesting. So far, Luka's averaged 35 points, 10 rebounds, and eight assists so far against the Suns. He's been virtually unguardable in this series. But what's interesting is the Mavs have won both games that Luka has scored under 30 points, and they've lost the two games that he scored over 30 points. So uh, I thought that was a little interesting nugget that – Kind of shows that the teammates are stepping up at home, maybe a little bit more than on the exactly. road, and he's having yeah. to shoulder a little bit of the load in Phoenix. So, what are your thoughts so far on this series and Dallas's ability to kind of flip the series on the Suns, winning those two games at home, and now got everybody questioning kind of what's going on with the Suns here? Yeah, a lot of these series, you know, evened up over the weekend. It was a really good weekend for basketball, and the Warriors took command there. But yeah, the Mavs. 
took their two games in Dallas. Um, yeah, it, like you said, it was the role players, like, stepping up, finally. Like, we talked the first two games. Like, Luka can't do it all. And Jason Kidd even said, like, we need other guys to join the party. And, like, uh, oh, what's his name? Jalen Brunson. He's yeah. averaging, like, 23 over in the playoffs right now. He had a couple good games. The Mavericks probably weren't going to lose game four regardless of Chris Paul playing or not. Like, if Dorian Finney-Smith yeah. making, what, eight or more threes, I don't remember what he had. Like, that's just an unstoppable kind of thing. Like, you can't do anything about. But, I mean, Chris Paul always tries to be, like, this savvy veteran that toys with the refs, basically, to get them to make foul calls. And he just put himself in bad positions. Like, he's such a smart player. I don't blame anybody but him for that. Like, I'm not going to blame sit here and blame the refs. Like, oh, you're out to get Chris Paul. Like, no, he's a, put himself in those positions. Like, when he cut off Jalen Brunson that one play, like, They've been calling that all year. Like he knew it, he didn't argue it, and I think it's good that they got the roll guys rolling, and now can get, make it a three-game series. Can they step up in one of these next games and maybe push this to seven? Yeah, that's going to be the key. Is because now it's a three-game series, and Phoenix has two games at home. Right. So. Are your role players going to be able to step up away from home and help Luca out and help them get a win? You know, so far they haven't been able to do that. This series yeah. is really, you know, a series doesn't get started until a road team wins the game. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the Suns don't necessarily have to do that to win the series. The Mavericks are yeah. going to have to step up and do that. Do you have any faith in them being able to do that uh, and, and ultimately pull this series win off? Yeah, dude, like the last two games gave me some confidence and whether that's like that home court advantage and role players always play better at home, sure. But now it, you just need one of them to step up in one of these next games on the road. And that's all you need. Like even if you split the next two games, game seven, maybe somebody steps up. But that's all you need. And that gave me some confidence that, see, it's doable. Like y'all can do it. And it was different guys too. Like Brunson's does it. Maxie's done it. Like, a bunch of different guys over the last two series have done it. And so that's kind of good to see, too. Like, it's kind of like Tech earlier this year. Like, we didn't have to rely on, you know, one other guy to step up. You know, we could have multiple guys. Whose night's it going to be? So maybe the Mavs can find some combination of that and pull an upset. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, you have the best player in the series in Luka. Yeah. And so that favors you. And then I'll He's tell you another, yes. and another thing that's really interesting is I think Jason Kidd is really doing a good job coaching, doing a really good job finding different mismatches, making Chris Paul uncomfortable. Like he was super uncomfortable those two games, and that's a huge key. Like you got to cut the head off the snake, right? And Chris Paul is the head. Yeah. And I thought they did a really good job of making him uncomfortable. I think I – think, Jason Kidd's doing a good job of kind of proving why this hire was smart by the Dallas Mavericks right. so far. And you said so, there were like finding the mismatches. Man, they've picked on campaign big time. Mm-hmm. Like campaign can't be out there without getting switched on to. And then Luca just bullies his little ass into the lane. Yeah. <laughs> and like Chris Paul's a good defender, but Luca's still so much bigger that he can do whatever he wants there too. So that mismatch that Lucas found there is is big time, and if those guys on the outside can hit some threes, you it's you can't double them like because like yeah. if yeah if Bullock or 
Dorian Finney or Jalen Brunson or Maxie's out there, like, you're going to leave them open and nail threes. You know they can do it. So now what are you going to do? Like, <sighs> Yeah, he's such a mismatch for all the Suns exactly. defenders. Like, Mikel Bridges is a player that a lot of people were saying could have been a defensive player of the year. Oh, yeah. He's probably going to be a first-team defensive player of the year. But, you know, he can't really stop Luka <laughs> either. No. They're just Luka's size. No way to hold him down. Him. You just got to hope he misses. Yeah, for real. Just like, I literally heard, like, forward. I think it's Richard Jefferson. Like, that's all. That's what he was saying the other night. He's like, Luka does so much at every level that you can't stop him. You hope you can just be in the way enough and hope he misses. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. I heard a good point from Bill Simmons today, and this is what I would do if I'm the Suns. It's, it's kind of that, like, LeBron approach sometimes. Just let LeBron get his, but if we can minimize what the other guys are doing – like you're gonna have a good shot of winning. Yeah. If you keep giving wide open threes to the Mavs, like they're probably gonna make a majority of them. But if you can fill those passing lanes, not let those guys get open threes, and really just try to let Luca hurt you. I think so. Like that's gonna be your best way to win. So I think it's a very intriguing season uh, series. You know, I kind of thought the Suns had the advantage. Thought they'd pull a game out in Dallas, but Dallas has really flipped this series and. More than just like, oh, they won home court. I think they definitely have a shot here in this series. So, I mean, I agree. Hey, all it takes is one ridiculous Luka fourth quarter in this series is completely in the Mavs' favor. So, who knows? That game five is tonight as we record uh, or later because that game won't start till like 930 or something. Dude, I, haven't even, I didn't make it up for some of these games. Like It's ridiculous. God, man. starting these games at like 9 o'clock is ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, so let's dive into the series that I haven't really been able to watch much of because no joke at nine thirty, and that's the Warriors and the Grizzlies. That game started at like nine forty-five last night. There's wow. no way I was staying up for that, so uh, I had to watch the highlights today. But the Grizzlies uh, failed to uh, match the Warriors in evening that series up. The Warriors pushed ahead late uh, thanks to some free throws and thanks to some clutch defensive plays from Draymond Green. They hold on to take the commanding 3-1 lead over the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, some interesting things about the series. The Grizzlies led the league in rebounding during the season, but so far in every game of this series, the Warriors have out-rebounded them. So I think that's pretty interesting because you thought maybe the Grizzlies have this size advantage that can kind of make the Warriors have to play a little bit different, but that has not been the case. Uh, another staff from the series, Steph Curry, has become the first player in NBA history to hit 500 threes in the playoffs. <laughs> so uh, congrats to Steph on doing that. And then a little tidbit, you know, the John, John Morant misses game four. The Grizzlies had a pretty good record this season without John Morant, but lately they've been struggling. They had lost three their last three games without him, and losing this one made four straight losses without John Morant. So it seems like getting John Morant is going to be a big key if the uh, Grizzlies want to hang around in this series. Dustin, it's been a fun series. The games have been close except for one of them. Uh, what are your thoughts on this series? And ultimately what we kind of had picked out here was that the Warriors were going to kind of handle the young uh, young Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, it's what we thought. Like, the Grizzlies weren't going to be able to hang. They're going to get a real taste of the playoffs now that they're playing the Dynasty Warriors and they just can't keep up. It's been a really chippy series, especially yes. with like some of the Injuries. dirty plays that have happened. Like no one's playing dirty. Like it's just chippy out there. Um, yeah. So while we're like, on that, did you? What did you think about the John Morant injury thing? It's kind of got some speculation on both sides. 
what did you think about that play? Uh, Jordan Poole yeah. uh, grabbed the knee in case y'all didn't catch it. Yeah, so if you watch the whole play in full speed, not slow motion, right? they go to trap him like near midcourt, and he's trapped, he's moving, the ball is getting knocked around. So obviously Jordan Poole's hands are everywhere, yes. and Jaw like kind of pivots away from him. And that's where the ball kind of was. There's no way he intentionally yeah. aimed his hand, like saw it, aimed, grabbed just the kneecap and like tugged, and then like all in like a smooth motion too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like think about it. Like people saying like he did that on purpose. Like there's no way in full speed he aimed, grabbed just that little piece. And then also like smoothly got out of there like without yeah. it looking awkward too like no it's just how to, a bunch yeah, of fast basketball players and basketball and caught his knee yeah there's a play like a couple of possessions earlier where he collided with Clay Thompson's knee and a lot it's of people like, are like this is probably where you yeah hit. it's sort of like no different than when guys get poked in the eye yeah it's never intentional like no one like looks and like oh boop got you no it's like hands flying and just it happens it's like that's that's all it was but not having jaws a big problem for the grizzlies in the playoffs even though they had like a 20 and four something record in the regular season without him yeah playoffs are about your studs and your superstars stepping up taking over games like your bench depth doesn't get as deep anymore doesn't play as much in the fourth quarter like you saw like last, like on the Monday night game, uh, Dylan Brooks was trying to jack up threes, and I mean, you want John Morant shooting that or Dylan Brooks? Like, who's who's who do you want the ball? Who do you want having the ball? Like, exactly. Yeah, I think the Grizzlies really wish they had John Morant instead of Dylan Brooks trying to play hero <laughs> ball. <laughs> yeah, like that's what what it comes down to is like the stakes are way bigger than you know a yeah. game in. December and January when you know you're playing three games a week and don't have the greatest scouting report or guys taking nights off and no one's taking nights or minutes off like in the playoffs especially second round and so it's a way different story than that but if this is kind of the stuff you need if you're the Grizzlies like right you need those yeah. kind of playoff uh scars and yeah, get beat up a little bit team yep. with a lot of young guys a lot of players who haven't really felt anything like this yet they had a really good regular season but it's one thing to take the regular season and perform in the postseason and so for them like ultimately this season i think is a success in the fact that you uh you see what's there you see the potential you got some young guys who are really going to be good for you oh yeah you take this and kind of build on it but feels like this might be the last time we're talking about the Grizzlies. So any parting thoughts you have on on the Memphis Grizz? Yeah, it's still a successful season. And like last year you were in the play-in games and didn't make it much further than that. Now you're second round playing with the Warriors, won a game there. And you even learned a lot from the Minnesota series of, you know, yeah. how not to jack around in the series. and close teams out or not let these seven seeds get up on you in the fourth quarter. Like I think they learned a lot there too. So huge learning, huge success. Um, obviously, like you said, they got a lot of young guys and a young coach that they like too. So lots of good things for them going forward. Yeah. I think they have many years of success heading their way. Now do oh, yeah. they become championship contenders that remains to be seen, but uh, they'll at least be, 
up there in the Western Conference, it seems like, for the foreseeable future. Let's head over to the Eastern Conference. Let's check Eesh. in on series that Game 5 is happening as we speak. Currently, as we are talking, Miami leads 66-40. to 40. To 51 now over the Philadelphia 76ers. So this one very much like the Suns Mavs series in a way. The uh, Miami Heat dominated games one and two. Felt like the series was pretty much over. All of a sudden Joel Embiid is cleared to play game three. They win game three and then they have a little bit of a uh, you know James Harden MVP oh, performance. Yeah. Comes out and uh, has 30 points, and so the Philadelphia 76ers end up tying the series. Another kind of interesting development, you know, felt like this series was won, and now all of a sudden you're heading back to Miami wondering, all right, can the 76ers win one on the road here to claim the series, or can the Heat end up, you know, figuring it out at home and get right the ship? So it's been an interesting series so far. Dustin, what have you got on this Heat Sixers series, you picked Sixers in this one. I've got the Heat, so. Uh. I did originally pick Sixers, but like I said last week or so, the Joel Embiid face issue, um, obviously a big deal. They got their ass kicked in the two games without him, one with him. In this game five that's on Tuesday night right now while we're recording, he just got hit in the face again yeah. and like went down. So I don't know what that's going to mean for him going forward. Um, but it's kind of all on his shoulders. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's all on his shoulders, I think. You're not going to get that performance from James Harden. Yeah. Probably again, most likely. I mean, they've been waiting for that for, what, a month? <laughs> and they yeah. just now a got one people, of them? A lot of people <laughs> are like, this is a, a, a throwback James Harden performance. And Two years ago, we haven't seen him play like that. <laughs> like, man, you can't say a throwback James Harden performance. Like, he would have to have been MVP like six years ago for us to be – like oh he's back but do you believe that he is back or is that just a one game performance it was a it was a one game thing yeah, i mean it's pretty evident that i mean everybody said it if you've listened and paying attention like he's lost a step he's lost a handle like just because he you know he didn't take care of his body for most right. of his career he's not as fast anymore you know now that he's like 32 or whatever years old it caught up to him quick and now all these younger, quicker, athletic guys can stay in front or also know his moves because they're also way more common um, in the game. So I don't think you're going get, to get those fouls. Those they've fouls also taken some of his game good. out of the yeah. of basketball because of him. Um, so, yeah, he didn't get to the line as much as he used to like five years ago. Like I said, it's all on Joel Embiid. I mean, I could see this going seven and maybe they pull off an upset somewhere, but I don't see it as like a – it's game seven down to the wire type of situation. You know, I don't feel like it's a pressured game seven for the Heat. Does that make sense? If yeah, they, this one just feels like it's going to go to whoever team's playing at home because really it is just like Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, and then roll guys. And if we're going to get another hardened performance like that, I feel like it's going to be in Philly. It's not going to be in Miami. Right. Um, and, you know, the Miami role players, they're going to step up in Miami. Yeah. They're shooting 21 and like 21% from three in Philadelphia, the Heat guys. Uh, are. They're not going to well, do now that. They, they got Duncan Robinson playing right now, so that's yeah. going to change. So they're obviously going to play a lot better in Miami. So, you know, if this series just goes home court to home court, obviously I think Miami has a better chance. But 
really I just don't see enough from the other guys in Philly to really compete. You know, the yeah. luxury that I, they have is they have a bunch of different dudes who can beat you, and really Philly just has Joel Embiid yeah. and then maybe James Harden. So Danny Green. Danny Green's yeah. on that team, dude. Danny Green, a heat killer. You know, He's they your still favorite. haven't forgiven for that, you know, finals uh, <laughs> that he had. But All right. The series and the series that is most intriguing to both of us, I think, is the Celtics and Bucks series, which the Celtics evened up the series at two games apiece with the huge clutch road win in Milwaukee. This is the only series that's actually had teams win games on the road. So, you know, Milwaukee stole one in Boston, and Boston was able to do that in a game that they really needed. And how about this? Dustin, did you expect this to be the Al Horford series? <laughs> Dude, the Celtics have been so hot and cold this series, but it's like in a fun way. Like, yeah, you had Al Horford go off for the hike, and Al Horford's old at this point. Yeah. He went off for 30 points, his career playoff high, and he's played a lot of playoff games. Like, most he's ever had. And he said, like, when Giannis dunked on him and got teed up for stare down and taunting. That kind of lit a fire under him. And, okay, whatever. But the fact that he had Al Horford there. But, like, game three, Jason Tatum didn't even show up for the game, yeah. basically. Like, <laughs> And then, like, game one, Jalen Brown didn't show up for that game. Like, they've been so, like, on and off and on and off. Maybe if they could, you know, find a better line of like hey let's play just really good instead of somebody being super hot we could probably pull this series out yeah that that's very true because on the other side of the ball you got somebody playing amazing basketball in Giannis like he's been an unstoppable force the Celtics really don't have much that can guard him the only the only player that's been able to kind of hold up is actually Al Horford who Giannis is shooting 30% against him instead of 53% against every other Celtic. So um, at least he's holding them to average numbers there. But, you know, Giannis has just kind of been able to do whatever he wants yep. uh, down low. You know, he's got such an arsenal uh, of, of moves down low. It's just really hard to defend him. What have your thoughts been about Giannis in this series? We already know he's a two-time MVP. He's a finals MVP. But it kind of feels like he's going to this other level this series where it's like, okay, no Middleton. We kind of wrote, hey, maybe the Celtics will have an easier chance here now that the Bucks don't have Middleton. But Giannis is like, no, 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 I'm still here. I can, I can carry this team on my broad shoulders. Whatever your thoughts been they on. They still have – got to remember, they brought back most of their roster from their championship team and have a lot of really good players like Jay Rue. Still playing point guard for him. Yep. And they still have a lot of other good role players for him. Brooke Lopez is still on the team. Like, yes, Chris Bobby, Middleton's their Bobby second. Board. Bobby Board is still out there. But I think Giannis is like, let me just, you know, everybody hop on board, grab a hold of the cape, and we're going to get through this series. And hopefully, like, next round or so, we can get Middleton back possibly. But let's, let's quit messing around and get through this. Like, let's not – slack just because we don't have him like i don't think Giannis is about making excuses just because a guy got hurt yeah he's definitely not that type of player that's why he's one of the most likable enjoyable players in the nba yeah. you don't really meet anybody's like oh fuck Giannis. <laughs> you know uh everybody yeah. kind of likes him 
Um, and, and another thing, like you said, they have a lot of experienced guys. You got Jay Rue is one of the best defenders in all of the NBA at his position. You know, the Bucks have, you know, the Celtics were the best defense in the regular season. Well, so far through the postseason, the Bucks have had the best defense. They're holding teams about 40% shooting percentage. So they're doing it on the defensive end. They're muddying up games, and then they're kind of letting Giannis take over, which is a good recipe uh, yeah. for success. So this one is the most kind of unknown series to me. You know, it's I, definitely I, the funnest. Definitely the most fun. What way do you see this series going? I know you picked the Bucks. I had the Celtics on this one. Um, what, you know, Celtics do have home court, two games in Boston left if this goes seven. Uh, how do you see this series falling I, I i'm assuming you're hoping for a game seven at least right i think this one goes seven for sure and this one unlike the other uh e series would be a contested down of the wire tense game seven and i don't know i really don't know who wins this series like to be honest yeah both teams are super good like it's not like you're hoping one team wins and like right it's not like the uh Grizzlies Timberwolves where it's like we want the Grizzlies to win because the Timberwolves don't belong in the second round are going to be jokes to the Warriors like if either of these team win and both these teams are title contenders yeah so that was going to be my next question do you think the winner of this is going is going to be the Eastern Conference representative in the finals not necessarily I think the Heat are a definite title contender also I think in the East like the Heat, the Celtics, Bucks are all three title contenders. The 76ers with Joel Embiid's, you know, face injury and thumb injury just kind of knocked them down a, just a notch a bit. But those other three teams, like any of, any of those three could win it and win it all too, like not yeah. just the East. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. All right, so some other NBA news that we've got. Uh, there are other things happening besides playoffs. Suns coach Monty Williams was named the coach of the year, uh, something that I think most people expected. He probably was a worthy candidate, maybe should have won it last year. Uh, Didn't, however, and I think was maybe rewarded for that this year as there were some other coaches out there that had some uh, pretty good candidacies like the Memphis Grizzlies head coach, uh, Taylor Jenkins, taking that team, you know, to the heights that they got this season, maybe some other coaches out there. Uh, Dustin, what are your thoughts on Monty Williams being named Coach of the Year? Yeah, definitely deserving. Uh, I believe this is his second Coach of the Year. I believe he got one like two years ago, didn't he? Um, I don't think he's gotten another one because he's only been with the Suns for a couple years. Okay. He started with them the bubble season. Um, Gotcha. But, yeah, I mean, he's improved. I think I heard earlier this year, like, he's improved his team by – 10 or more wins in back-to-back seasons, which is, like, very, very rare to ever do. Like, because, obviously, 10 wins is a huge jump and do that back-to-back season, especially when you were good last year. Yeah. You show up this year, win 10-plus more again, and have the number one record. With the Um, team that went to the finals and was, like, two games away from Yeah, I think you kind of deserve it. And he's, like, one of the older kind of OG-type coaches, and everybody likes him and respects him. So it's kind of cool to see him. And it was cool how they uh, – do you see how they gave it to him on I Monday night? Monday, They uh, did it at, at Suns practice. They had his whole family come, and his son presented him with the award. 
Um, oh, he nice. kind of did a little speech in front of the team, and he was really, I mean, obviously super nice. He obviously thanked his whole staff and everybody that works, you know, for the Suns in that building. Like, he's like, it's not just a me award. It's our whole coaching yeah. staff. It's like a us type thing, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, he just seems like an all-around good guy, and yeah. he's a guy to root for, and so – I'm really happy for him in, in getting that award and that recognition. And so uh, could have gone to what seems like a better coach. So congrats right. to him. And the other award that was announced was that the Joker, Nikola Jokic, has won his second straight MVP, winning back-to-back. Uh, he had the first ever 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists season ever. He's the first player to average uh, over 25 points, 13 rebounds, six assists in a season ever. And he's the first player in uh, to have top 10 in points per game, assists per game, and field goal percentage per game in 50 seasons. And he's had the highest PER ever. So just a lot of stats out there uh, that kind of back up this award. There's some people who think that, you know, now that the playoffs have started to ensue, that maybe Giannis or Embiid deserves it. So what are your thoughts on the Joker winning his second MVP award? And what are your thoughts on all the kind of discussion going around like the other players that maybe people think deserve it more now that the playoffs have happened? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a regular season award. We give a playoff, you know, finals MVP for that guy once they get there and win that. Um, we don't give first round playoff MVPs, second round MVPs. Like this is a regular season award. Like you just listed off first and this, first and this, first and this. Like he's a stat stuffer, that's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, and especially when he had so many injuries alongside him to deal with, like guys being out a lot of the year, like their second and third guy are out most of the year. He drugged this team to 48 wins in a six seed. And I know that's not like the biggest praise because a lot of people that I've heard kind of bitch about him getting it is like, Usually it goes to a person, the best player on a better team than a six seed. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, but yeah, and Joel Embiid had to deal with a lot. And that would probably be my second pick, either one of these two guys. Like, Giannis had a really good team all year, but if, you, if you're going off stats, like, yeah, he's by far, like, you just listed so many things. Um, I have two problems with the MVP award, but I'll let you go in on Joker and we'll come back to it. Yeah, let's, yeah, I think, you know, stats-wise, I'm not always in on the stat-stuffing thing, you know, because I do think there are some intangibles to a team. I think, like, what yeah. that player adds to that team and what that team's like when that player's not there. Yeah, And, you know, exactly. that's a significant case for all these guys. You take Jokic away from this team and that Nuggets team is oh, dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he was able to pull them to a six seed in the playoffs. And sure, they didn't last very long there. They went up against the Warriors. But, you know, the only reason they're there is because of, you know, the Joker. You know, sure, the Bucks wouldn't be as good without Giannis. I think they'd still probably be a playoff contending team. And the Sixers, I think, could still be a playoff contending team without Embiid. Um, you know, and so I think that's some of the differences. That Nuggets team is nowhere without Jokic. But with him, they're yeah. a- you know, a six seed in the playoffs. So, and, and he's, they were still a little bit of a problem for the Warriors. I mean, they had some close games in there. So I definitely think you got to look beyond the stats, what the player means. 
But if you are just looking at the stats, how could you name anybody else like MVP? <laughs> yeah, and I've heard a lot of people kind of bitching about it today too of like, well, here's the list of second straight MVP guys in the league league's history. He doesn't stack up to that. And it's like, that's not what you're putting your vote in for. Yeah. Like you're putting your vote in for the 2022 season. Who was your best, most valuable player? Doesn't matter what happened last year, year before, whatever. Like, what don't, don't try year? to like combine stats to make it fit a narrative of like, well, he's not up to the level of Kareem and Magic and these guys. Like, don't worry about that. It's a single season award. Keep it that yep. way. And I think ultimately you can come out of the fact that what he did this season was very impressive from a statistical yeah. standpoint and the standpoint of having to be the guy for your team each and every single night. And, you know, he did that, and he played almost the yeah. majority of games. There's a lot of players who are missing lots of time, This, you for know, sure. especially nowadays with the resting and all that stuff. But Jokic is out there almost every single night, uh, and he's doing the same thing every single night. Yeah, that's consistency, point. and that's something that deserves the MVP. So what are your two things with the MVP? Okay, so one, you're probably going to agree with me on this, the timing of the award. Why yeah. are we announcing a regular season award a month later and we're two rounds deep into the playoffs? Like, yeah, he's already now back home. And now it's awkward that, yeah, like this is like what happened with Dirk Nowinski his year. Like now they got to give it to him at the YMCA like they do with Dirk yeah. like, and make an award, awkward awards awkward. ceremony. Like do it right away like that first round because then you know they're going to have a home game. You can give it to him then and be done with it. Like, there's no reason to drag this out yeah. to now. Like, we the votes are in a month ago. Know yeah, I, mean? I, I super agree with that. It makes no sense to me. It makes it awkward too when like the other players are like leading their teams to first round wins, and you know Jokic loses, and then everybody gets to debate it even further. Like, just give the award out like as soon as you can and that gives um, those people that excuse of like well you know mvps don't lose in the first round it's like yeah maybe an mvp might lose if his team's trash without yeah. him and he's playing against the fucking warriors <laughs> yeah but my second like dislike of it is i think a lot of these voters made a mockery out of it many years ago when they gave russ the MVP yeah. when he had the first there, like triple double season. And we all knew that that team was a joke because of him and like how he plays and they weren't going anywhere, but still all these writers and voters still voted for him just because this amazing thing happened. But then the next season when he did it again, they didn't vote for him. Yeah. Like what, what do you mean you didn't vote for him? You did 12 months ago when he did it. Now it's yeah. different. Like, so they made a joke out of it to me, like, whenever it's that was. a mockery of it all. And yeah. then it's also taking in storylines from other seasons because it definitely had something to do with the fact that Kevin Durant just left them. Yeah. And then he comes out and has that season, and it's like, well, he probably wouldn't have got it if Kevin Durant hadn't already been there. But, like, throwing that on top of it, it was just like, oh, this feel-good storyline. He chose to stay here. He chose to be at Oklahoma City. Kevin Durant left him for the Big Bad Warriors. So, yeah, I think that's definitely changed people's perspectives of it. Uh, there's always the, you know, the people are tired of Giannis. And so probably now they'll be tired of Jokic. And so who knows if he'll ever be able to win another 
Yeah, and that's stupid too. Like, I mean, Michael Jordan got the same treatment. LeBron got the same treatment. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're just tired of him being so good. Or we get, like, so used to it, I guess, and numb to their greatness. Like, we kind of ignore it almost. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, for sure. And it's silly that they do that. But it is. time and time again, it happens. And next year, there'll be probably Jokic uh, exhaustion. And so he. He won't be in the conversation no. despite probably putting up similar numbers. It'll be somebody new, somebody that we want to crown a new MVP. So, Luca, We're going to get yeah. Luca going right now. Yeah, it is time. about time for Luca to get up in there. So we'll see what happens. If he can stay in shape and start the season off strong, maybe he has a chance. Hey, I heard a good point about that. Like Big Cat was saying on there is like, it's good that Luca's like 22 and not in shape yet or 23 and not in shape because then he always has that excuse of like, but when he does <laughs> – <laughs> Look out. When it's go time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he flips the switch. Oh, but, if he ever gets in shape, y'all watch yeah. out. <laughs> Was there any other NBA news you wanted to discuss this week? No, playoffs got good. I hope they stay good this weekend coming up. Um, I guess next week we'll start talking about Eastern and Western Conference Finals and some Game 7s, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully we get some Game 7s. We haven't had one yet this playoffs, but there have been some interesting series. that We've got three really interesting ones going on right now, so keep an eye on that. And we will catch you all next week in the NBA when we're, you know, previewing the Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, and all of that stuff. Uh, but uh, we have a little NBA to, or MLB to catch up on. It's been so long since we've talked about it, it caught me off guard, so... I'm going to kick it over to Dustin, and we're going to dive into a month into the baseball season. So, Dustin, over to you. A Stantonian home run. Now, what did did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? He's at first base. Yeah, Brooks, we're about a month into MLB baseball season. We know the lockout happened. They started about two or three weeks late this year. So we're about 30-ish games in give or take, um, just a few kind of teams to look out for or that are sucking for you guys to catch you guys up because I know most of you probably aren't watching April and May baseball, to be honest. Um, but right now the Mets were the first team, yes, the New York Mets, first team to 20 wins this season. The other night they had an amazing seventh, seven-run, ninth-inning comeback yeah. win. To come up, and they they don't even have their best pitcher and the best pitcher in the game right now. Jacob Degrom's not even playing yet, and they're they're rolling really good right now. Um, some other teams that are really good: Yankees, Angels are are doing really good. Also in the American League, the Dodgers are also looking pretty good as well. A um, couple teams that are kind of sucking. Um, Rangers are only 11 and 16, so I'm like, meh, that could be worse. They're okay <laughs> for where we were expecting this year. Um, Brooks, the Red Sox, struggling. Yeah. They are 10 and 19. What's the deal with the Red Sox, your uh, World Series pick? This is me looking for some offense, Dustin. We just haven't been able to score runs, and that's a big problem, especially – like, it's been very disappointing, very frustrating for all of us Red Sox fans out there. We just haven't been able to manufacture any runs when you need to. We've been in a lot of close games. We've been in games where it's like a one-run game or something. You get down to the late innings, and we just can't manufacture the runs to get us a comfortable lead. 
and then we blow the save. I think we have nine blown saves already this oh, year. Oh, that's tough. Uh, and so it's just really hard to score runs, which is weird for a team that was two games away from the World Series last year, kept the majority of your lineup, you know, your all of the main guys who were there for you last year are still on the roster, added Trevor Story to it, oh. and thought some of your run, younger guys were going to be able to pick up the slack or, or, you know, kind of take a step in their career. But that's just really not the case. And your two best players, Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts, are playing well but then you also have this thing looming over them where you're not paying them and all of a sudden you're becoming this little bitch ass team that doesn't pay its best players and we're the fucking red sox we pay our (laughs) players we don't trade away mookie betts and stuff like that but it seems like xander might not be a red sox next year which is would be tragic and then it seems like we might not have rafael devil just after like a couple years too it's just i don't know i don't really know what to think right now it's really frustrating Maybe the offense can kick it up uh, and, and start helping us win some games, but it kind of feels like it's a lost season already. Well, hold on there. I mean, it's only a month in. You're only ten and nineteen. Don't throw away the whole the whole season just yet. It's early. Maybe well, they can look at what's our out. division. You know, the Yankees are. 20. Well, you have three teams that are really winning good. Yeah, the other so three that I picked. The, that's the problem is we're in such a good division. Like, oh, yeah. The teams that you're playing a lot of games against are really good. So um, I just don't – unless the offense just really just starts clicking, I don't really see – I don't really see much happening for us this season. Well, at least you're not the Cincinnati Reds. Yes. That they is. super suck. They super suck. They are 6-23. and 23. And they have won one series this year. And the funnest thing about this, I heard this a few, like about a week ago before they went on a little little hot streak. Uh, they were at three wins for the longest time. And at, one, and at that point, the Cincinnati Bengals had more wins in 2022 than the Reds did <laughs> with four wins in the playoffs or in the end of the season of playoffs than the Reds did for the longest time. So, look, at least you're not the Reds. Good job. Good job, Reds. Way to just, you know, be out there trying every day. <laughs> that, I don't know if they're trying. At one point, I saw a, I don't know, offshore betting line of the Tennessee Volunteers versus Cincinnati Reds. It was five-and-a-half-point spread. <laughs> Tennessee? No, for the Reds oh. still. But for it to be a six-run game, yeah, that's close. Hey, Tennessee has a dude who can throw like 105 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. He would smoke those guys. But like for that to be a conversation, like we've never had that conversation in baseball. Because college baseball is so yeah, far like- away from the majors. Like it's like single-A type baseball almost. Whereas, yeah, the dudes in college aren't going to be in the MLB for like five years. <laughs> no, like I know we talk or like, six. oh, could the could Alabama beat the Jags and the Jets? But that's a way closer playing field a lot of times than college baseball to MLB, and for it to be a five run spread like that was kind of mind blowing. Um, any other teams you want to talk about or players? But do you have one more thing I want to finish with? No, I got my Red Sox stuff out there. That was really all. I figured you were going to 
this because we don't have me. So. I had to bring it up. Hey, I brought up my Rangers. You know, yeah. I, I literally wrote eleven and sixteen. Man, could be worse. <laughs> I'm always just impressed when they win a series. I'm like, hey, good job, guys. You did it. Um, last thing, and I think everybody that watches baseball and a lot of the baseball players can agree on this this year. The worst part of this year is the umpires yeah. suck. They're fucking awful. Bad. <laughs> so it bad. is horrible. I don't know what happened over the offseason. A lot of them went blind or something. They forgot what a strike zone was. But, and especially like Angel Hernandez, he's the worst one. Like, there's so many ump shows every night. Like, I saw one last night, a strike that was almost right down the middle. Ball. <laughs> It's like, what are we doing? It's maddening. I saw and the like, other day, like, Marcelo Zuna with the Braves got rung up on three straight b- balls yes. that were, like, way the fuck outside. 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 Like, what, are you, outside. Man, what are you fucking supposed to do? And that's the thing. Like, so many players have gotten pissed and thrown out of games. So many managers have gotten pissed and thrown out of games. Like, it's frustrating having to watch that. And they're so off is yeah. what's the problem. And... Like it's it's mind blowing how bad it got all of a sudden. Yeah. And there's the technology for robot umps. Um, Now, so to clarify, two different things here. This box you see on the TV is not accurate. Yeah. Okay. That's at an angle, kind of. First down line. Yeah. I mean, I'd even say the first down line is way more accurate than this box is. Yeah, but you always you can't always take it as like the. True. Right. But I've heard literally like from all this bitching about the umpires, they have their own technology that grades them like statistically every game of like miss makes they hit 97% or whatever. And there's even, I think it's a ball that's trying out like this system um, for it. And so Technology's there. It's maybe not quite where it needs to be for the majors right. yet, but I mean, they need to have something to where, kind of like in soccer, they have like the VAR of like, oh, we missed the offsides or something. Like, there needs to be like a miss and be like, beep him, buzz his wrist or whatever, and be like, no, you missed that strike. That was a ball. Tennis, tennis has it figured Dude, out. Tennis has the best. Yeah, they don't even have to challenge in tennis anymore. No. They automatically do it. They just yeah. zoom in, and they're everybody's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, do that. <laughs> like have the zone or whatever your little zone is. Review the pitch real quick. Nope, that was a ball. Okay, ball. Boom, boom, just like that. Tennis would solve all the baseball or the technology they got there. I think would really help. But it's it's terrible. And then you take that with what the NBA playoff officiating has been, which every night feels like it's a ref show. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, man, I, I'm I'm sick of officials right now. It's crazy how bad it got in, in MLB. And, you know, it's only been a month and it's this bad. And, like, the Kyle Schwarber blow up the other night was oh, yeah. a week or two ago was totally warranted. He's he was going, you missed inside, outside, high for them, for us. <laughs> it was the best. But, like, he had a great point. And it is. It's bad. Uh, and that, really I don't know how to I don't know how to fix it like yeah. mid season you know so we'll end on that note with the umpires are sucking ass in baseball. Shots, 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 shots,
Alright, so let's get over to some shot bets. We only had one for y'all this week. I think we just got caught up with everything, so we only got one shot bet out. That was game three of the Celtics versus Bucks. The Bucks held on to win that game by two, giving Dustin the shot bet victory yes. and myself the defeat. So Dustin doesn't add to his total while he's not drinking, so he stays at three, and I move from two shots to three shots owed. So this week, uh, as always, during the NBA playoffs, we'll do a couple more NBA playoff games as we watch these series kind of come to a conclusion. There will probably be some maybe pivotal game sixes or a game seven if we have the time before the next show uh, to get a shot bet out there. So yeah. pay attention to our Twitter where we post our shot bet polls if you want to be a part of it. If you lose a shot bet, you owe us a shot. That's the rules. You A bet is you place something down. Our shot bet, you place a shot on a game. If you win, you don't have to take a shot. If you lose, you have to take a shot. And to show us how you paid your shot bet dead off, send us a photo, send us a video, tweet at us saying, you know, hashtag I just paid my shot bet, something. Uh, it's just something fun we do to try to interact with our listeners. So um, just keep your eyes out on our Twitter. We'll post those shot bets as the games, you know, you know, we figure out which games become more important. And so um, let's move on to our final shots. Dustin, I know you got yourself a final shot for this week. What do you got for us? We had the Kentucky Derby last week and we should have brought this up last week, obviously, but I didn't even know it was about to happen. Yeah, that snuck <laughs> up on me. It snuck up on us just like Rich Strike snuck up on the whole field at that thing. Rich Strike, if you haven't heard, won Kentucky Derby. Um, the favorite was out front for most of the race and was about to win. I don't even think the announcer knew what this horse was coming in hot at the yeah. end. I mean, if you watch the aerial video and listen, he's like 10, 15 horses deep and then has to navigate through all kinds of crap and weave yeah. his way. It's pretty crazy, like the navigating that that jockey had to do. But some stats for you on Rich Strike. He was 80 to 1 odds, which is the second long shot ever and like the most in over 100 years. And like I saw the best equivalent to that is that'd be like the U.S. men's national team winning the World Cup. Right. We know how unlikely that is. So you're saying there's a chance, though, Dustin? <laughs> no, not really. But the other cool things about Rich Strike. His owners bought him for $30,000 in September on basically like a sell-off race. Yeah. That's also the only race he's, he's won besides the Kentucky Derby this year. He's not won three other races that he's been in. Um, so I guess he had one good showing that day. Got bought for thirty dollars um, And then he got like third in an event that qualified him just enough for this Kentucky Derby he was like three or four scratches down the list and literally got because I scratched the night before the race, he got in. So literally Friday, Friday, he wasn't even in the race and got put in Friday night or whatever it was like the day before wasn't even playing, gets called up, comes out of nowhere and wins and came out of no, literally came out of nowhere. He's waving the back of the pack. 
they make the turn for the stretch and he came flying out of nowhere. I literally can like picture the announcer being like, who, who's this guy? Who's, what horse is that? Somebody give me the notes. <laughs> He's like, All right, give me the, what number is that? Cause he didn't say his name until he's crossing the finish line. He's like, rich strike out of nowhere. Wins. I didn't plan for this. <laughs> All right. So yeah, congrats rich strike. Yeah, that's the great thing about sports, right, is upsets can happen. A huge upset in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, my final shot for this week is going to be Tom Brady-related. <laughs> yes. Tom Brady now has his future after football decided. So picture this, Dustin. In the year 2030, when Tom Brady is finally retired from the NFL, he is now calling your best game on Sunday with yes. Kevin Burkhart in the Fox booth. Uh, he has, you know, come to a mega deal with Fox, 10 years, think $375 million contract uh, to be the lead broadcaster or a color analyst in uh, the Fox oh, booth yeah. uh, after his playing career ends. Now, who know, you know, he says it might be another year, but you never know with Tom. He might play until he's 50. Who knows? But he does have a career path set up for him after. What do you think about this news? And how do you think Tom will do in the broadcast booth? I think it was a good move on Fox's part, just getting yeah. way ahead of it. Like not even waiting till he retires and being like, listen, we don't even care to put a deadline on this. We just want you on the roster when it happens. Yeah, you just lost your best two football guys in Joe Buck <laughs> right. and Troy Aitman. You got to make a splash. So. No, it was. I mean, it's a great move, and like, what better to listen to a football game than the best quarterback and one of the best players ever, and smartest yeah. players ever, you know, talking to us in our living rooms every Sunday. Yeah, I'll be really excited to see how he views the game from that. You know, that's kind of one of the things that caught people on to Tony Romo is like, oh, you're kind of getting this. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, uh, extra special viewing of the game, like you're seeing it through actually how a really good quarterback sees it now to see it through yep. like imagine Michael Jordan calling a basketball game or like the best player to ever do it in this sport calling a game so that's uh pretty exciting the other thing I was going to shout out before the Brady news fell was the uh Rudy Gobert saying that he would lock Shaquille O'Neal's ass <laughs> <Did you see laughs> <that? laughs> yes I would love to see that because Shaq would kick his oh ass my god it would be so it would be I, so bad for Rudy Gobert. I don't Gobert. think Rudy Gobert realizes how much of an unstoppable force Shaq was and how big that dude was. Yeah. Like People – like Shaq was my favorite player to watch like post like Jordan and like that era, you know, of like yeah. I guess like two, early – like the 2000s type era. And people were like, well, he's just big. And I'm like, so? Like he uses it real well. Yeah, <laughs> he was a dominant force for a reason. There's he did, no way he, he would lock to, him up. Advantage and Rudy Gobert is not the thickest dude on the planet. So Shaq would just put that shoulder into him. Oh, he'd go flying and boom, right on Rudy you. Gobert go flying into the second row. It's just one of those dumb things that becomes news because anybody can say anything nowadays. It's like the same thing as Levar Ball saying that he could. Nah. guard you know michael jordan like there's right. no way of actually proving it it's just all talk but 
it's definitely something that I think was really funny for him to say, really stupid for him to say. Very. So it was really funny to see Shaq kind of roast him, him uh, on there. So uh, that's all I got for you. <laughs> Anything else to add on? No, that was good, man. Good finish there. All right. Well, that'll do it for Tailgate Talks Week 83 here at the Tailgate. Follow the Tailgate on Apple and Spotify. Give us that five-star rating. Uh, it would mean a great deal to us if you did that. Follow the Tailgate on social media as well. Follow us on Twitter at Tailgate underscore Talks. That's where we do most of our posting, so you can interact with us there. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel that you can check out and check out some short clips from uh, from some of our podcast episodes. But as I said, that'll do it for this week. And as always, we